I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Well, hello. You are listening to the Lawn Bowls Podcast. My name is Arthur, and I'm joined here today by... Sorry, Arthur, you're out of a job. My name's Matt. I'm here hosting the Weight Loss Podcast, the number 5,080th most popular health and fitness podcast on the internet, and I'm joined today by... Oh, I'm Courtney. (laughs) How you going, Courtney? I'm fine, thank you. You're killing it today, aren't you? All over it. you, You are funny. Funny or funny looking? I think you think you're funny. Someone has to. Yeah, someone does have to think you're funny. Someone has to. So, yeah, I'm Matt. I'm joined here by... Yes, sorry, I'm Courtney, and I'm very excited about today's topic. Well, what is today's topic, Courtney? Today's topic is all about tips regarding travel. Travel. So, we're talking about travel overseas, travel just on the road for work, holidays. So, we're talking overseas, domestic Exactly. And when we talk about travel, a lot of people that are trying to lose weight or they're in the process of losing weight tend to start to freak out. Yes, they do. They think that because they're going to be out of their routine, the sky's falling. Yes. It's all over. I'm going to uh, put on all the weight that I've lost. I'm going to go backwards. Why am I even trying? Okay, this is too hard. I'm going to McDonald's. Pretty much, yeah. Pr- it- pretty much that's generally how uh, we find it goes. Have I just nailed it? I think you've nailed it. Okay, cool. All right. Yes. Uh, all right, so this is the end of the show. Glad we could help, guys. And uh, no? <laughs> no. No. So what Matt and I have done is just put together seven tips for you to help you, give you a little bit more information, give you a little bit of insight into what we do when we travel, and we think that it will help you when you have to travel next. Yeah, so obviously part of life is that you aren't going to be home in a controlled environment all the time. It is common for people to think, well, in order for me to lose weight and get in in good shape, everything has to go smoothly, and everything has to go perfectly, and that's what I should expect. Well, here on Earth... That's not actually how it happens. Shit's going to come up in terms of, as I said before, holidays or, for a lot of us, work. We're going to find ourselves away from home, even days out with the family, days out with our significant other, Mm -hmm. days out with friends, etc. We're not going to be in that controlled environment, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So we're here to help you overcome those days and those weekends and even those weeks when you're on the road, because that doesn't necessarily mean you have to just go, oh, that's it. It's all over. It's too hard. I'm just reaching for the nearest cheesecake and let's just go. Exactly. So we've got seven good tips here today we're going to go through. And I will start with the first tip. So the first tip I want to give you for when you're on the road or on a holiday is relax. So there's take a deep breath. There's no need to hyperventilate and get all anxious and stressed out about going on the road for work or going away on a work trip or going on a holiday. It's not the end of the world. It's not going to blow a hole 
in your goals. Well, so, it doesn't have to. Well, it doesn't have to if you don't want it to. Yeah, it's it's really it's up to the individual's choice whether you want it to affect your goals or not. Well, one thing I can speak to is that your goals can travel with you. Mm. They don't need to stay at home in a perfectly controlled environment because guess what? Not even the home is a perfectly controlled environment. But your goals can travel with you. It's just a case of chilling out, thinking and planning ahead, and making a move accordingly. But the first tip I want to give is relax. It's not that bad. Yeah, I think that's a really great tip to start off with because I think a lot of people's anxiety tends to outweigh the reality of the situation most of the time when it comes to this topic. So Mm -hmm. moving right along to tip number two, which is think about your trip and how are you getting there? So I think this is a really good place to start next. So how are you getting to where you're going? Are you driving? Are you flying? Are you, if you are flying, are you domestically flying or are you going overseas? So you're going to um, internationally flying. I think they're really important because then you can start to plan out in terms of food, what, what are we going to do here? How are we going to go about this? So obviously if you're driving somewhere, then logistically that's a lot easier, easier sorry, of a uh, planning and preparation to do rather than if you're flying. Much easier. It's, it's, so let's talk about driving first. So if you're driving, say, interstate or even within your a, a day state. day trip, day trip. Going on a day trip, how would, you, how would you think about tackling that? So rather than, like Matt said in, in step one, stressing out about it, step, take a step back and, and, and logically think how will we tackle this? So in, first thing that comes into my head when I think about it is I think, well, I'm going to pre-prepare some food and put it in a cooler. Yep. And put the cooler in the boot of my car. Done. High five. It literally can be as simple as that. <laughs> so what, what generally you could do in that situation is you could pre-prepare some food, maybe make up some slow cookers, some stews with heaps of veggies in it, things like that. You can pre-portion them out and freeze them. Then when it comes the day of your trip, just transfer your containers from the freezer into your cooler. You put the cooler with some ice and things in it to keep to keep the meals even um, more refrigerated on your travel. You put that in your car, and by the time you get to your destination, they've already started to de dethaw, defrost. Dethaw. Dethaw. That's not a word, is it? No, thaw is the word. Thaw. So you've got two words into one. You've got thaw and defrost. Now you have dethaw. You know what? I'm going to roll with that. Okay, so, so dethaw. Moving on. I like it. Uh, and then all you have to do is when you get to your destination is place your meals from your cooler into the fridge and they will continue to defrost and you're able then to just eat them as you go. Defrost, what's this? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> now we talk about flying, domestically flying. Obviously any sort of flying, you do have to check the guidelines of the airline that you're flying with. The individual airline, they can be different. They can be different. And definitely always check with them. They will have information uh, on usually on their website that you can go to to find out this information. But just for us and his example, we live here in Melbourne, Australia. We often fly to Queensland, Australia, which is uh, north of the of the country. So 
it ha- I have done it in the past where I have done that same technique with the I just explained with the car drive flying to Queensland. So I've actually frozen my meals. I've placed them in a cooler bag minus the ice. And I've got on the plane, two-hour plane ride to Queensland, got them out of the cooler bag as soon as I get to the hotel, straight in the fridge. They've mostly de-thawed, frosted. Whoa. <laughs> Is that deliberate? Yes. And, uh, and Bob's your uncle. You've got food. Well, also when it comes to flying domestically, uh, where Courtney said before about not, you know, not carrying ice in your cooler or on your bag on the flight, frozen food works as ice. It does. So if you're freezing your meals inside your inside your containers, problem solved. Exactly, exactly. So that works really well if you if you do want to take food as carry on. So the the airlines that Matt and I have travelled with, we have checked and they do allow us uh, domestically to take food on our carry on. So that is what I have done in the past, and it works really well. In terms of uh, internationally, again, you would have to check. Uh, Always check with the uh, particular airline you are travelling with. That's step number one. Always. Yeah, always. So some will allow it, some will not allow it. And some are very specific on what they will and won't allow. Some will also allow it only if it's packaged in a certain way and some won't allow it if it is in a particular packaging. So if it is in glass or if it's in metal packaging. The tins. They won't allow that. So you, you do have to be definitely very careful with making sure that you do your homework before you get to the airport otherwise they will just take all of your food that you've just prepared away that awkward moment <laughs> where you spend hours preparing for your trip and it's all taken away before you even get on the plane it will just take it away so when matt and i traveled to america um, year before last too long ago yes now. um we did decided not to take uh our own meals on the plane uh, we weren't uh, very confident with the air, particular airline we were flying with that they were definitely 100% going to let us take it on the plane. We weren't even confident of getting there. So so we decided not to take the risk and we actually just got some pre-packaged uh, protein bars and things like that because we knew that we could have made better choices but we knew that if we didn't have them then we would get really hungry because the meals that they were going to give us on the plane for an international flight were not going to be enough to fill us up. And there's also the bit where I plan to sleep most of the flight over there, which worked. Which did work for your well. for your jet lag theory. What jet lag? <laughs> so that gives you an idea again of just looking at the method of transport that you're going to be taking. Is it by car? Is it by plane? Is it is if it is by plane? Is it internationally? Um, is it international travel or domestic? And, and that what will, does the airline let us do? And what does the airline let us do? And that will start to give you an idea of what you can do. What you'd be surprised as well of um, is how flexible a lot of airlines can be. Um, and a simple question, if you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely, until a couple of years ago, I would never have thought that travelling domestically within Australia, I would be able to take food on my carry-on. I just didn't think you could do it. I've taken um, bags worth. Yeah. So it definitely can be done. And again, just make sure you check those guidelines because the last thing you want to do is, yeah, turn up at the airport and have them all taken off you. Excellent. So moving on now, this leads into point number three, which is can I take supplements or powders, etc., protein powders and whatnot, uh, away with me? 
obviously, if we are driving, well, duh, <laughs> load the car up, away you go. Now, if we're flying, well, it's going to go back to what we said before, what Courtney said before. You've got to check the guidelines of the airlines. I know I've been able to take uh, supplements, protein powders, etc., with me, both domestic and international. Although, to just, just to preface this, with the international flight, I went to Fiji, and I was able to take quite a uh, quite a load of my supplements to last a couple of weeks with my my training I was going to be doing on the beach, um, and had no issues at all. Same thing when Courtney and I have travelled interstate. Recently, Courtney and I went for a short little weekend away uh, up north, and the day before we left, we just we knew what we we're going to be doing ahead of time in terms of our our training schedule. So we then. Just planned our, our you know pre and post workout supplementation, protein, carbohydrates, etc. Uh, portioned it out into little uh, Ziploc bags and wrote on them who they were for and what they were for. So you know, Courtney pre workout number one, Courtney post workout number one, etc. So very easy. Um, Ninety nine times out of a hundred, you'll be able to take them with you. But again, just uh, just check the uh, individual airlines for your international flights, and uh, away you go. Yeah, and I think also I've been asked in the past when Matt and I have travelled where we put our Ziploc bags of uh, of supplements, pre measured supplements. Uh, often we'll actually roll the bags up and place them inside our protein shaker. Yeah. So yeah. we'll take a protein shaker each, and so we'll g- gather all of our Ziploc bags up, sort of roll them up, and then um, put them in the protein shaker and close the lid. And that way, you're, there's no risk that one of the bags might rip or break within your Ex- suitcase or explode. Or explode, and then that way you open up your suitcase and you've got protein powder everywhere. So that's a that's a great tip as well. I that's think. a fantastic tip. Well done, Courtney. So um, let's move on to the next point, which is. Which is number four, where are you staying? So this is another really big one, I think. It just comes down to, again, think ahead. So Matt and I have in our travels, whether it be for work or for holiday, holiday, we have stayed in a variety of places. Generally, uh, sometimes we'll stay in apartments, so we have a kitchen. Sometimes we'll stay in hotels. Either one works. You can make either one work. But you just got to think about before you leave, where are you staying? And what have they got? And what have they got? So usually if you're staying in an apartment style uh, hotel, they will generally have a kitchenette. So they'll have at least a small sink, uh, a cooktop and a fridge. Bar fridge. A bar fridge even, if not a full-size fridge. If you're staying in a hotel, they will not have those things, but they will generally always have a bar fridge. And if they don't have it in the room, uh, if it's not said that it's in the room, they will generally always either have a room with a bar fridge available that you can move to or they will be able to put a bar fridge in your room. Which we've done. Which we've done. I know we travelled in uh, America where we did not stay in any apartments. We only stayed in hotels. So we had no cooking facilities for the full three weeks we were over there. We relied on bar fridges the whole time. And I think we only ever stayed in one one hotel that didn't have a bar fridge, which was in Vegas. Actually, technically it did have a bar fridge, but in Vegas, all of their bar fridges are stocked, obviously, with their um, alcohol and, and stuff that you can purchase. 
but they are all motion censored. So if you try to take the things out of the bar fridge, they will automatically assume that you are purchasing them and charge them to your credit card. Ching. Yeah, very, very, very uh, naughty. So instead of emptying that fridge, we did, uh, I think we ended up having to pay, I think, $25 or something like that, American, uh, just to have them put in a fridge into our room. But because we were there for quite a few days, it worked out beneficial for us to do that. I do believe as well, actually, Courtney, when we stayed at in Washington, we asked them to bring a fridge up and they did. Yes. Mm. And also in Boston, we stayed in a hotel that had maybe the smallest bar fridge I've ever seen in my life. A mini bar fridge. And we actually asked them if we could have a bigger one and they said that they didn't have one, but we could have a second one. And so we had two um, small bar fridges. They brought us up a second one. So usually I find with hotels, they're really happy to try to accommodate you with a bar fridge Um if you need one, which generally you, you always do, uh, and if you're staying in an apartment, then even better because usually you have a full full, a full size, fridge. size fridge, and you've got a cooktop and an oven and a sink. So uh, always tip four basically is just have a look at where you're staying and make sure you research where you're staying to make sure that there's going to be at minimum a fridge there for you. Yeah, great point that Courtney's made. If you know what you're walking into you can be uh, prepared well ahead of time. Yeah, and I think when you look at uh, look at the food that you can have, at the bare minimum, as long as you've got somewhere to store it so it's chilled, you really would have no issue with food. Yeah, you're good to go. And that, that goes on to the next uh, point. In ter- talking in terms of taking, you know, do I take pre-prepared meals or do I have my food, do I get it ready on location? So following up from what Courtney was saying before in terms of knowing where you're staying, knowing what the facilities are, it's going to be, you know, looking, looking around the local area. So step number one, where am I staying? What have they got? Based on what they've got, I then look to the local, the surrounding area, where's the nearest supermarket? Because chances are we're going to be staying somewhere where there's going to be a supermarket nearby because... This is planet Earth and this is civilization. So unless we're going out camping in the middle of nowhere, chances are there's going to be some sort of supermarket around the corner. So in terms of pre-prepared versus on location, I actually tend to find it's personal preference. I've done both. Now, for me personally, the way I think about this is if I'm staying somewhere that has a, um, say, self-contained, so it has the full has the full kitchen basically i'm going to prepare on location if it doesn't have the full kitchen and just has say for example a bar fridge and maybe a microwave i'm going to prepare ahead of time mm. that's how i tend to approach that so the the point there is there's no right or wrong when it comes to pre-prepared versus preparing on location again just think about where you're staying think about the surrounding areas and plan accordingly Yeah, absolutely. Great tip. And again, I think this leads us really nicely into tip number six, which is cold food versus hot food. So I know, Matt, I think you've heard it as as well a lot from clients where we'll get questions about being on the road or being on holidays and... All the time. Oh, what do I eat? And you say... Well, what do you mean? What what can you eat? What you usually eat? And then we'll get the response of, oh, yeah, but I can't heat it up. 
Get over it, mate. And then it, uh, yeah, so it takes me a second to understand this theory, but I think for a lot of people, they have a fear that if they can't eat the exact food that they usually eat here at home, then somehow they're failing and it's it's not going to work. Yeah, I'm doing it wrong. So I think the biggest lesson to be learned from cold food versus hot food is you've really got to just adapt to the situation you're in. And remember, at the end of the day, you sometimes you're actually on holiday so you are actually allowed to enjoy yourself so don't think that even though we're giving these tips on food we're expecting perfection we go on holidays and we're not perfect we still eat out and we still have our our treats and things but consistency wise it is important to stay consistent when you're traveling because when you travel especially if you're traveling uh via plane you're generally going to feel a little bit crappy afterwards anyway just from the flight especially an international flight yep you're going to feel generally bloated dehydrated your skin gets dehydrated you just your body's really out of whack so the last thing you want to be doing is landing and going and just eating whatever for your entire holiday when your body's already struggling sometimes to adapt to the condition that you've just landed in, let alone then adding to that by eating just things that aren't going to suit your tummy. So it's really important to be consistent with your food. does not matter if that food is hot or cold. There are plenty of options for both. I also think as well, though, don't be afraid to ask for a microwave. Uh, I, you know, Courtney and I stayed in rooms and hotels that have come equipped with a microwave uh, if um, if need be, ask. Same thing. We'll, same point we're making with the fridge. Really, if you don't ask, you don't know. So, again, homework is required. Know where you're staying, and don't be afraid to ask the uh, the reception. Hey, do you guys have microwave facilities available? Definitely. So then, if you get to have a microwave, then you can heat your food up. If for some reason you can't have access to a microwave, there's plenty of foods that you can still eat cold. And we've had it before where we might not necessarily be on holidays, but we've gone out for the day. We went to the Melbourne Grand Prix here, the F1 Grand Prix one day, where it was on a Sunday and we were out literally all day. So we had breakfast at home, we left the house and we were not home until... After dinner. Oh, after dinner time. Full so day. we had to take all of our food with, with us and... We did that and we just selected foods that we knew we liked to eat cold. Mm. So personally, chicken, I quite like chicken cold, but I quite like shredded sort of more roasted chicken cold than your sort of um, fillets of grilled chicken. I tend to find those aren't quite as nice cold. They tend to get a bit of a rubbery, chewy taste to them when you eat them cold, whereas if Uh, I was going to eat chicken cold. I would generally cook myself some slow-cooked shredded chicken or I would go to the local supermarket if I was preparing on location, buy a $9 roast chicken. Yep. Yep. Shred it up and have that with some salad. I think Courtney's touched on a pretty good point there that I want to sort of expand on when it comes to cold food versus hot food. I would say regardless of where you're traveling, be it local interstate overseas if you are a bit precious about cold food versus hot food well i mean let's be serious um you'll live either way but i would still be prepared mentally to have some cold meals and what i did uh, a couple of years ago was i actually experimented 
uh, creating certain meals just to see how they were cold. So when it when as Courtney said before, when we had that big day at the Formula One, I knew exactly what I wanted to make up well ahead of time because I already had my hit list of meals I enjoyed having cold. So that's um that's a great point. Yeah, and I think it's a really important one. And and just remember to always experiment with food while you're on holidays. Just make sure that you're doing it though within the bounds of what your your body is gonna appreciate. Because the last thing you want to do while you're away is eat anything and everything underneath the sun and then feel really sick for it. Well, it always comes down to a pretty simple sort of philosophy. You eat in accordance with your goals. Yeah. Really. And now moving on to the final point that we've got here, talking about exercise. Mm. So exercise while traveling. So the first thing to look at when it comes to exercise whilst on the road or traveling is number one, do you plan on doing any? Yes. So I know that there's um, plenty of people out there that when they go on holidays will say, nope, I'm taking the whole thing off. And that's fine. No problem at all. Mm. There's also, on the other hand, plenty of people that will go, well, no, I'm, I'm, I might need to travel in the middle of a you know program. I don't want to lose momentum. I want to keep things going. Okay, fine. Again, no worries at all. But that's step number one. Am I going to train or am I not going to train? If we're not, well, you can stop listening right now. (laughs) Disregard this point. Disregard this point. If you are planning on training whilst on the road or whilst traveling, this is going to come down to, again, there's a common theme running through this episode, planning ahead, doing some research and being prepared. So the first thing that I do whenever Courtney and I are going away somewhere, if I know we are going to be exercising whilst on the road, is doing a bit of stalking around the local area, thank you Google, on what gyms are in the local area, any parks, beaches, uh, trails, tracks, etc. And just teeing up or planning ahead of time certain sessions that we're going to need to do and knowing where they're going to be done at and what's what's involved. So easiest one is if we have to do a weight session or two, that's fine. Where's the nearest gym? And not just where's the nearest gym, what are their opening hours? What are their casual workout costs? Just knowing what we're walking into before we walk into it. If we're going to somewhere near a beach, well, that's pretty easy. There's paths all up and down along the beach. There's usually parks, etc. There's the beach itself. No problem at all. But again, the whole point here is plan and prepare ahead of time and do your homework ahead of time. It may seem annoying to be sitting there on your laptop Googling local gyms, but trust me, when you arrive and it goes smoothly without a hitch, you're going to feel pretty good about yourself because you haven't taken a step backwards. And um, and that's that. Yeah. Yeah, they're the, the main seven ones we wanted to get across today, and I think they're the biggest ones. Obviously, tips for travel, there are so many of them, and there's a lot that Matt and I have learnt over the time as well. Trial so, and error. Yeah, definitely trial and error. So if there's anything that we haven't touched on in this list today, please make sure that you send us an email. You can send us an email at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Well, sort of touching on what Courtney said there, I'll... I think we'd like to hear from you in terms of when you've traveled, what have you done? Because Courtney and I have come up with these tips through our own experience. Uh, Some lessons we've had to learn the hard way. 
to be fair. But wouldn't mind hearing from yourself. What have you done when you've been on the road? I mean, does your work take you away a lot? Do you travel overseas a lot for holidays or whatever? Let us know. As Courtney said, podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. On the subject of emails... It's time for the email. It's time for the email. Thank you. There's the music. Okay, so our email today comes from Melissa. Hello and thank you, Melissa. Hi, Mel. Mel says, hello, guys. I love listening to your podcast. Even if sometimes I think that you are a little too black and white. Yes, Matt, this is aimed at you. Uh, okay, I'm okay with that. The thing is that I know I know that weight loss, uh, this weight loss gig is tough. And as you know, I am fairly and squarely in the midst of a pretty hardcore attempt at shifting a decent amount of weight. So Mel is one of our clients who's working with me in particular. So yep, Mel is, uh, is working very hard. My question to you is, how do you stop it becoming all-consuming? I'm forever thinking about what I'm going to eat next, when I'm going to eat it, what have I prepared, what do I need to do, as well as when, I'm going to, when am I going to the gym, what's on for the day, what can I do to make this quicker, easier, more pleasant, more successful. And then there is questions like, why aren't I changing? Am I changing? Why isn't anyone else noticing that I'm kicking goals? Am I kidding myself that I'm making progress? The big question I'm asking is, how do I control the process so that it doesn't control me? Courtney, would you like to have a stab at this first or shall I? Oh, I don't mind. I can go first. Ladies first. I think you have to be commended, Mel, for writing this down, that I know this these, these questions that you've asked are obviously very personal to you and very hard so I appreciate the fact that you've taken the time to write them down to to send them through to us to answer here I think the biggest thing with your big question which is how do I control the process so that it doesn't control me I think just like anything I think over analyzing a process uh, is is a habit just like any other habit that we've got to work through so we have to start putting steps in place to stop ourselves from overanalyzing every single detail to do with this process, which we will do. And I've been there and I've done it. And I can't, I can't sit here and lie to you and tell you that there, for me, when I went through it, there was this magical fix that, that I can just hand to you and say, this is what fixed me. It, it, it unfortunately isn't that easy. It was a conscious effort to constantly keep reminding myself to stop overanalyzing it, to stop comparing my changes to other people's changes, to stop making judgment on myself before I see the photos to be able to judge it. It's really easy just to go day by day and tell ourselves that nothing's changing until you get that before and after picture to show you the difference. So until until you get that, you have to keep telling yourself that you can't make judgment yet. You've got to wait and see, wait and see. I think also... How do you stop it becoming all-consuming? How do you stop about thinking about food all the time? I believe that just is going to come with time. I used to think like that too. I used to think every day about how many meals I've had, how many have I got to go, how long has it been since my last meal, these sort of things. Whereas now 
I, I don't know how long it's been since my last meal because my body tells me when I'm hungry next so I don't have to time it. I've got it down to a certain pattern where I don't even have to count generally how many uh, meals I've had each day because, again, it's become such a pattern for me. The only time now I'd really have to think about it is if my day has been sort of really out of the ordinary, like I've been out all day and I've been doing things and I'm not in my usual routine, then I might have to stop and actually think about, oh, hang on a second, how many meals did I have today? Generally speaking, though, so 99% of the time, it's 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 habit now. I eat the right, correct amount of meals each day generally without thinking about it. So that will get better in time. I know it's really frustrating where you are at the moment that you th- that it does become an all-consuming uh, kind of thing, but um, that one definitely will get better. And I think that the over-analyzing of your are you changing, aren't you changing, why isn't anybody else noticing style of mindset, that will just get better. But you, unlike the food part of of it where I believe the food part of it will get better over time as your metabolism improves and as your eating becomes more um it's got gets more of a pattern to it in terms of why am I changing things like that that's a mindset thing and that I don't think will just fix itself over time that one you're going to have to actively put time into to try to break that habit wow well done if that makes sense it does make sense Uh, in terms of my Two cents worth. Really, you look at what someone like yourself is doing, Mel. You're basically working to undo years of not thinking about what you're doing in terms of your exercise, in terms of what you're eating. Most of us, when when we're first starting out or when we're out of shape, we don't think about what we're doing. That's That's part of the whole thing. So now you've gone from kind of going on autopilot to now starting to incorporate all these new habits and all these new routines that you're learning. And yeah, it's tough. I look at I look at this whole process isn't too dissimilar to when you first learned how to drive a car. So you think the first time you were behind the wheel of a car, what are you thinking about? Everything. Am I in the right gear? Mm. Are my mirrors set? Are my feet in the right position to hit the pedals? Where's that cyclist? I've got to check my mirrors. I've got to look over my shoulder before I change lanes. Is my indicator on at random? You're thinking about all these things that come into the habit of driving a car. What happens six, nine, 12 months later? When you're driving a car, you're not thinking about driving a car you're thinking about where am I going? What am I going to be doing? Did I leave my hair straightener turned on at home, Courtney? Uh, Yeah, I do that one all the time. So you, you think about things other than driving. I look at this process in a very similar way. So right now, you're just learning, Mel, to drive your car. So you're thinking about all the things that are involved in driving your car. As I've learned through my own personal experience, Eventually, you get to a point where you stop think you without think deliberately thinking about it. You stop thinking about it if that makes sense. It's not a decision that you make; it just becomes routine. Mm. It becomes a habit. In terms of the the mindset of thinking about things like why am I not changing, etc. Well, that'll never go away. Let's just get that out of the way right now. 
That'll never go away. Why am I not changing? Am I changing? Is anyone else noticing, etc.? That'll never leave. That's just that's just part of the part of the whole gig, I think. Uh, but what helps a lot, I've always found, is having trust in the process that you're undertaking, and in this case, the people that you're working with, because they're very good. <laughs> just ask me. Uh, but trusting in the process and just letting it play out. And and I'm going to use a word that Courtney hates, that Mel, I know you hate, that everyone hates. You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. Boo, patient. Boo, boo. boo. <laughs> Get that word out of here. But you know what? We all do. We all have to be patient to let this process play out. You can't rush it. That's where the quick fixes come in. You rush it, you pay the price. So Mel, trust the process, let it play out. It's going to get easier over time. Um, you just need more time, really. So basically, I haven't helped what, at, at all. I haven't helped whatsoever. So I'm glad I could help. No, that was helpful. That was good. So Matt, you said, Mel, this was part one of Mel's question. And will we be doing part two next episode? Yeah, uh, Mel sent through a, a pretty pretty decent email, to put it mildly, with two really, really, really good questions. So I figured we'll take uh, one for this episode and one in a future episode, which we will address. And uh, yeah, so that's that does it. Cool. That's uh, that's that's the end of the Lawn Bowls podcast for this week. <laughs> so watch out for part two of your question answered, Mel. But thanks so much for sending that through. Yeah, and thanks, Mel. Appreciate that it. Helps everybody else. Remember, send us any of your travel tips to podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com as well as any email questions that you have. We would love to read them out on future episodes. And uh, on that note, we're going to call it a show. What you can't see is that Courtney and I just fist bumped because we are champions and we'll do that sort of a thing when no one's watching. And um, the fact that everyone knows now. That's okay. <laughs> Sharing is caring. So I uh, hope this has helped and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.